0: Davos 2019, this coverage of the Global Conversation on Change is brought to you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. This is The Rational Perspective, I'm Alec Hogg, and in this episode, Investex' Hendrik toy, goes on the record in Davos. It's been my privilege to have known the subject of today's episode for many years, almost since the day he arrived. It was 27 years ago at a then small banking company with an idea of starting an asset management business. Deciding to back this one man in a briefcase was one of the smartest moves that Investex chief executive Stephen Cossett made. Under Dutoy's direction, Investec Asset Management is now a multinational company that trades punches on equal terms with the best in the world. With $150 billion in assets under management, it has the fighting way to do so. So this mad keen marathon runner who built this business from scratch fully justifies to be called an entrepreneurial star in his own right. Dutoy will soon be getting the opportunity to stretch those muscles still further into the international arena when InvestEx splits into two units, with the asset management operations that he's looked after for so long now being separately listed on the stock market. But that's a story for another day. The focus of this episode is all about change, and specifically the mushrooming field of environmental, social, and governance reporting which has become a core element of every ambitious public company. So important that DeToy reckons every public company needs an ESG expert as a board director.
1: I have been coming for a few years, uh, it's normally good to short the theme or go the other way. When Davos is bullish, the markets go down, and it's about like the Economist front cover. Um, well, I can give you a long study on the really best covers in the world, but typically, uh, you know, if, you, if you don't think that's why your investment decisions, you can do quite well so um, I think the broad, I'd rather comment as opposed to this year's theme and by the way, fourth industrial revolution to me is is, is, is not it's very important very difficult to criticise your host but we actually before we go to a fourth industrial revolution we actually have a, need a new energy transformation and no industrial revolution has ever been led uh, without a very serious energy usage transformation before it. So I think we can argue about the names, but I think energy transformation to me is one of the key key indicators of sustainability success over the next few years. And sustainability is finally, and that's the real credit to Davos and to Klaus Schwab and his team, is we're starting to identify sustainability as a far wider concept than saving polar bears or planting a few trees. And I was very privileged uh, to s- serve on the uh, Business Commission for Sustainable Development, which was formed here in Davos about three years ago and delivered its final report last year. And as I came in, I walked past uh, Paul Paulman rushing to about the third breakfast already. Paul was the chairman <laughs> of this committee. And he, Actually, the ex-chairman of FTI, Mark Mallard-Brown, was the was the other chairman. And uh, they came up with something where business, and, 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 and all of us participated, where business contributed to the concept of sustainability. And what we really did is took it much wider than the classic sustainable investment or environmental protection or living a bit cleaner. It is about creating an economic future for this world, for the people of the world, which doesn't clash with the logic of our planet, the design of our planet. And I think that's a simple thing. We don't want our grandchildren to live on a planet which is as beautiful as the one we inherited, probably more beautiful, um, more clean, more healthy. And that also, therefore, includes economics, or business, and jobs, and profits, because if you can't do that, can't give people jobs, they are going to chop down trees. And if if there are no jobs, they're going to illegally mine, they're going to overfish all of these things that are are troubling our planet. So, my point is the Davos annual topic important. There is a revolution on the go, whether it's the fourth industrial revolution or or an energy revolution, we can argue about that outside. But it's time we interpret the sustainability concept very, very broadly. If we don 't do it now, we will really be depressed if we sit in this room in fifteen years' time
2: that 's a, that's a fantastic introduction to the, to the topic. So um, I guess if we pin this to the un sustainability development, sustainable development goals. Uh, It's an absolutely enormous global undertaking for policymakers and corporates. And and within that, we can put the financial services industry, whether it's banks lending money into the economy or if it's investors like uh, like asset management, investing in companies. Um, What is is the role here in corporations generally uh, and the financial services industry specifically in making uh, the world meet these goals?
1: I think, firstly, we were all very excited in Paris a while ago. And then came the seismic change in U.S. politics. Uh, I shall say no more. Um, Interestingly, the Chinese are on board. Almost all the big polluters are on board, except (laughs) except the the biggest historic one. And uh, uh, also the sort of out was given to not only the corporate world but the world at large I think this is a temporary thing I think the American people are uh, far more perceptive uh, whether it's done through the political process or not on the ground people are starting to understand and if you go I mean, I'll just tell a story if I may about sustainability um, we have an office in no this is not, please don't write this it's an office in Mauritius a very good man running the office there, he likes fishing. And you go there in naval time, they can do a bit of fishing. And when the Somalis were at their peak in, you know, hijacking big ships, the fishing vessels fished further off the coast of East Africa. And, of course, the fish stocks recovered very, very quickly. I mean, this is is, uh, evidence from the ground rather than stuff written in journals. But it's really important how quickly the the, the the environment can come back and recover, and therefore I'm, uh, and I think ordinary people see that. Ordinary people around the world see climate change affecting agriculture. If you live in a country, where well, I come from Africa. If you live in a place where sustainable or, or, or agriculture is a means of life for most or many people, they will old people will tell you it is now tougher to, to sustain yourself. Why and the reason is getting out. People are starting to understand that there's a problem with the way we run we run our earth, our, our, our system. <laughs> so my sense is we'll get through the political uh, breaks on the sustainability movement. The difficulty is actually implementing it at government, local government, corporate, and small business level. Now I think we failed in the. Business commission. We could have. There's one thing I really tried, and we are, we argued it, but we haven't succeeded yet because the world uh, is 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 not unit, not truly mobilized yet, and that is that every public company should not just have an audit committee chair or a risk committee chair uh, or a human resource or remuneration chair, but there should be a sustainable an, a non-executive director appointed to oversee the the drive for sustainability in a business. And shareholders should police it. Why? Because we all know it's well proven, it's good for long-term profits, it's good for uh, it mitigates liability, because we're going to see some humongous court cases. What we need to move into is how we can satisfy the need for near-term profits, which is part of capitalism, and by the way, if you stop that, you're going to get a whole lazy system. So, we shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater, we should try for profits, but we should put it in a framework which is long-term and sustainable. I think companies are trying and companies are doing well, but what we lack at the moment, particularly in the investment community, is standardized data. Once you have standardized data, you can compare. Once you can compare, companies complete. And actually, the system self-corrects. And the beauty is, we have the market system, which Allocates and reallocates capital. So, Neil, may I just do what politicians do? And, and I'm not one, but, but sort of give you an answer to a question you didn't ask. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and that is that I'm a huge believer and very optimistic in, in the current capital system of self correcting. What we're doing, we're driving ourselves into a depression because a few people became truly successful. I would say the one per cent or the, actually the point one percent. Not the one, by the way. You're all part one. It's the point one. It's the guys who the guys who arrive at dollars in the jets, not the guys like us who come by train. Okay? <laughs> they own everything. What's wrong with that, by the way? They've provided something which was bought by people around the world, which benefited consumers, and most of them actually give that money away when they die and invest in good causes, by the way. That's not noted with a current sort of Gini coefficient, the fact that the Brazilian Gini coefficient has improved significantly over the last 15-20 years is not said. And the fact that this system is very powerful and lifts up the bottom is not said. So if we go there, we say this system can implement faster than any government system can. We should use it to implement the transition towards sustainability and allow the profit motive to exist. Now sadly, and I'm going to end here because my answer is too long, My profession, the economics profession, has miserably failed us. They spent time in Ivy League classrooms writing complicated formulae on blackboards that no one but themselves and physicists understand. And they created these wonderful models for which they won Nobel Prizes, which contributed very little to the understanding of how our system works, how it should work. And over the next decade, if we're going to achieve, if we're going to win this war against the sustainability threats, we have to develop a sufficient consensus on why our system works, why the benefits are outweighing uh, uh, the costs, and how we can all, as ordinary people, contribute
2: to that success. And I think we've got a huge job to do. Thank you, Hendrik. Um, So I have a, a couple of thoughts on some of the things you were saying Um, From what I've seen in the last couple of years, sustainability, ESG, responsible investing is now seen as the kind of mainstream positioning for every asset manager that we come across. Mm. And you can see with the PRI the principles of responsible investing. In 2010, I think there were around uh, $20 trillion managed uh, against the PRA standards. It's now something like $85 trillion (coughs) Uh, has signed up to the to the PRI standards. Um, everybody talks about it. In reality, how much of that is PR, and how much of it is asset managers and asset owners genuinely believing that there is a way to reach sustainability goals through managing businesses responsibly?
1: I think it's really interesting. If we sat here five years ago, I would have said to you, "There's a lot of hot air PR. yet there are few managers who really understand." <laughs> People like Generation, mm-hmm. uh, David Blood, built a fantastic business, uh, some of the other smaller boutiques who focus on this. Uh, today, I think there were these big ads by um, Amundi all over the FT yesterday talking about ESG integration. Amundi is Europe's largest asset manager. Uh, the large asset managers now have integrated to a very serious extent Proper ESG filters. They initially started looking at governance, uh, the G. That was the easier bit. I think we've kind of reached the apex of uh, the, the the intervention in corporate governance because it's now really hard to be a public company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but on the social and the environmental side, uh, the sophistication of the work has improved, but is still captive to the lack of consistent data you get consistent accounting data you can look at the profitability the cash flow of the business you can understand the number of products over time you can monitor it you can discuss the price of the stock you've got everything at the fingertip you don't have these things there are many providers competing you don't have standardization call it the reporting councils or reporting boards need to do a lot of work now of course we know the world is still split between American accounting and the rest Uh, But at some point, I think this will will kick over, and therefore you'll have very good objective data to look at over time, because the point is over time. It's very important, asset managers should not simply uh, impose their opinions on companies, because they are part of this. They must reflect the opinion largely of the society, the people who invest with them, and we get very clear guidance from the institutional investors, on the retail side it 's more difficult, but now these days you have the tools to, to ask your mutual fund investors what they think about certain things and then really fight very few battles because you don 't have the economics to to fight every battle, and we are learning but what 's interesting, the younger people coming in the firm are genuinely genuinely serious about this because they are frightened about the kind of world they are going to inherit so the 60-year-old portfolio manager may still think it's okay to buy just carbon cash flows. Mm-hmm. Uh, the younger don't. But I think where we get wrong is maybe I'm now giving my age away, but you know we know would have done the same. But these sort young students running at protest in front of an Ivy League foundation or endowment, saying "disinvest, disinvest." Uh, you know there is this. Um, Actually, Nalkiel this week was interviewed in the FT where he, where he, where he said, look at the, 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 the contradiction. When in the 80s, Americans were disinvesting from South Africa, they forced IBM to give their business away. IBM was probably the best corporate citizen in that country at that point in time. Alec and I can, can, can tell you that because they gave lots of those, those uh, people chances who wouldn't have got chances because of the apartheid system, because of the way they ran themselves. So I think it's very important that we don't turn ESG into a disinvestment movement because then large cash flows will end up in the hands of the so-called stranded assets of bad people who buy those cash flows really cheaply and care even less about the environment or less. So we want BP to transform over time. We don't want BP just to cut it off its nose despite its face and go bankrupt because the world is still dependent on carbons for a time. So that the balance in, in, in sort of How people interpret ESG is a bit like how people interpret religion. And we need to have a much more vigorous debate on that. And in our case, we believe this is client-led, this is constituency-led, and it's led by the communities you serve. And asset managers, therefore, have to become much more sensitive to their constituencies and not simply impose a one-size-fits-all we, for example, focus our activism in areas where we actually can make a difference. Because there is a huge problem today, particularly driven may I say so largely by the media who always want to stage fights between activist investors and, and companies. Now that is not a healthy case. When a, when a company CEO spends half his time fighting one of his own investors instead of delivering to <coughs> shareholders, it's a problem. And I think we need to Evolve the sophistication of that Because you cannot just go and spray paint the company And say stop doing something You need to help the company To put in structures and systems And I'm coming back There should be a non-executive director On every public company board That holds management to account On its sustainability agenda And in each company that sustainability agenda Is very
2: different yeah, I, I agree uh, there's what, and I, again you say something which kind of prompts me to think through um, in 2015 uh, VW was seen uh, as the the best investment on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index and then obviously not long after we had the VW uh, uh, case which obviously we all never read about now to what extent is culture, because this is clearly a, an issue driven by culture to what extent is culture Important when you're you know, running an organization, how do you align your culture to your strategy, and how then do you align your culture to meet those sustainability ambitions both corporates have and actually as a, an investor's perspective, how does that fit into the mix? I Firstly,
1: you mentioned the word index and I, I, I had to take that bait <laughs> <Everyone> <laughs> index index index. Yeah. If you just invest in the index, you're going to always get the bargains. okay? there are People are necessary in the ecosystem to smoke out the Volkswagens, to find them, to ask them the hard questions, not just to hold them, because they're there, because they're big at that point in time, because you believe they could. And that's the value that is so, it's so beaten up every day in the press, active management. Yes, you can't beat the benchmarks, but let me tell you what markets look like without active managers. Without managers who think differently, who try to 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 separate winners from losers and try and withdraw capital from people who do wrong or who don't do well and, and allocate people. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of active management. By the way, the same. <laughs> but at Investec Asset Management, we have and the, the whole of Investec, we've for many years thought about being purpose driven. Once an organisation has a sense of purpose it then can define itself, it can then create a set of values to which it holds its own employees to account, which are much more powerful than a set of rules or a legally driven set of uh, requirements. And, uh, you know, in, in our case, we very simply, after, it took about 20 years, we're almost 20, you know, so the asset management part's almost 28 years old, but came up with a simple thing. We want to invest, we want to build a better firm, we want to invest better and by doing that contribute to a better world. Very, very simple. What does a better world mean? If you work back, you'll find somewhere down there that you have to learn, and it's a learning process, and so we're probably halfway there, embed decent ESG principles, not rules. And not necessarily and that's very important. Not at the moment we're living in a and I do not I do agree with uh, uh, the analysis that we have now moved into a multipolar world, decisively into a multipolar world. Most of us have only understood a unipolar world. And so the risk with the ESG and the sustainability agenda and the values and culture agenda is you impose American culture or British values or British corporate governance on everyone else. I tell the guys in the office, you can't vote someone, you know. We have have a very simple template, and if you go to these voting agencies, I mean, they really sometimes come with simple templates. And you do have to apply your mind to that. You do have to overrule. So, for example, voting off any director that is linked to uh, the state in an economy which is largely led or controlled by the state, which happens to be currently the second largest economy in the world. Okay? You're going to have a really... Ineffective board If you just to have a bunch of people from abroad Who are truly independent and can't speak to the state okay? So don't apply There are people who had systems for 4,000, 5,000 years Who have run themselves in one way Now we've lived in a world where there was a lot of western preaching A lot of less well thought through advice given I'm really fascinated by the way that the Washington Consensus Is now reversing itself I grew up as a kid studying economics and I learned that countries had to open their markets countries had to allow multinationals to come in and free flow of capital and all these good things well the moment a small section of the voter group of a large economy feels hard done by it changes the rules of the global economy on its head it just turns on its head and starts preaching the opposite without consequences and so I, I, I really believe we're, li- we're going into a world where we also have to have the subtlety of multicultural, of multi regionalism built into the way we interpret what's right and wrong. And it doesn't mean right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right. It just means understanding the context. And I think that is the challenge, particularly for investment managers around, you know, how can you tell a poor country not to develop its natural resources if it only has one resource, yeah. carbon energy? How can you tell them not? Yeah. You're going to help them to, to do it cleanly, efficiently and you, you, know, you can sort of advise them to do the rest, but you can't stop them. Um, and I think that's where the, 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 the real challenge of implementing this globally comes in because if you simply send uh, an instruction to all companies you're invested in to behave in one way you are going to destroy value, and and, and that's where I think a, a great deal of work needs to be done. First bit of work is get the data, get consistent. Then make sure you represent the communities on behalf of whom you invest, and thirdly make sure that you understand the context. So, for example, I went to a I mean Singapore leading in the sustainability issue. And the Western press, it doesn't get a lot. I mean, the in particular. Just going kind to of read their website. I mean, it's, a, it's first in class. Like. Better than as Singapore does it. Better than anything in the private sector. Um, I always take my advice to their website and say, just read this. If we can be half yeah. as good, great. But I went to the the annual sustainability week uh, two years ago, and they had a whole lot of Asian family companies there. Where the patriarchs they sort of three generations in a large room talking about sustainability and ESG. Now there was no chance that the patriarch was going to give up control. There was no chance. Whether non-voting shares or others. Because he built the business. And he wants his granddaughter to do really well. He's (laughs) drilling her. And there's very good corporate governance in those companies, but it's a different governance. And when you ask them about sustainability, the, 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 the the 6 speakers were also really good, and the people they got, they contextualized it in the communities those people operate. And In fact, I saw a consensus there which is probably stronger than the lip service we see in many large Western corporates with departments which build, put many pages in the annual report. But actually you know the CEO is driven by the next quarter's profit. Mm-hmm. So. Just, I'm just using this example to say one must be careful not to launch a voting campaign against an Asian family company that actually is doing a hell of a lot for the community around, even if it's to the patriarch's personal account, not necessarily to the company, than the the smart annual report that complies with everything uh, that we've set in terms of our stewardship codes. So that's really my point. And as emerging market investors... We see it every day, and we have to respect uh, the way countries operate, uh, companies operate in their
0: context. That was Investex Joint Chief Executive Hendrik de Toy. He was hosted at a breakfast in Davos by FTI Consulting, whose Senior Managing Director Neil Doyle conducted that interview. This has been The Rational Perspective. Until the next time, cheerio. Davos 2019. This coverage of the Global Conversation on Change is brought to you by BrightRock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes.